It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who's been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Welcome to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host and automotive tour guide, Ken Chester. Thanks for tuning in to our regular visit and to receive the latest in automotive news, technology, and consumer information that you can use today. I have taken upon myself to equip you with what you need to know in a way that's easily understood and immediately actionable. I consider it my personal mission to be that voice of understanding and reason in a world of rapid technological changes. So send your calendar so we can spend this time together each and every week. I promise I will make you a more efficient consumer. Now, later on during this segment, Volvo goes mano a mano with Tesla, and GM brings e-commerce to a dashboard near you. And that's in breaking news. During the next segment, or segment two, Ford teams up with China's Alibaba to sell cars in a new way. Later in the program, you'll hear from the freight desk as I bring you up to date on the trucking front. All this and more right here for this hour. You can become actively involved in the conversation at hand. Call or text the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793, and that's good anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you would rather send me email, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way is great to ask a question, share a comment, offer some insight, or even suggest a future topic for a discussion. I'd love to hear from you. Now, we practice what we preach here at Roadworthy Drive in studio when the show is underway. Both hands are on the controls, cell phones are muted, and full attention is paid to the trip at hand. The designated adult at the controls is none other than my good friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Hey, Jack. Hi, Ken. How are you? Fine. It looks like you got something on your mind. No, I absolutely have nothing on my mind. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's a first. Anyway. <laughs> uh, you be nice over there or I'll turn your mic off. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Okay, Ken. Question. Yes, sir. Volvo is taking on Tesla directly. Yes, sir. Okay. They are repurposing a brand that they call Volvo Polestar. Now, up till now, Polestar was, been, was sort of their... Um, Performance brand. Okay. They, they would produce some of those uh, under that brand. The one I'm thinking of particularly, they had produced an, a Volvo S60 a number of years ago. Uh, in blue, mm-hmm. thing was fast. I mean, really fast. But now... Another car you had to apologize to? Uh, no, didn't apologize to this one, just drove it. Okay. Uh, in any case, uh, they are developing a... They're re... Let me get this straight. They are re casting this nameplate as a performance electric car brand. Okay. Okay. They're getting ri- they've broken a, a new gr- they've broken ground on a new factory in China where they're going to build these cars. Okay. And in fact, the facility is aptly being called the Polestar Production Center. They want to develop hybrid and fully electric cars that will have the Polestar logo and not even a Volvo logo. And they've even transferred some of Volvo's leadership to the Polestar organization. So it's going to be a brand within Volvo. 
but kind of a standalone brand to make a name for itself. Okay. What could this mean for Tesla if a major automotive uh, automaker? Well, let's look at the track record. Right now, the two companies seem to have a grip on getting vehicles out there in a production stored away other than Tesla. Right. Is General Motors. And Volvo. And Volvo. Remember, we reported here, I believe, a couple of shows ago where Volvo made a deal with Uber for 24000 fully autonomous vehicles to start delivery sometime in 2019. Right, right. So they're there. They're making the progress. Now, they offered back last year, Volvo offered a couple of visual concepts of their new fully electric car. One was a sedan. The other was an SUV. Now, they called the uh, sedan Polestar 2, and they said flat out that all electric sedan will be a direct competitor to the Tesla Model 3. As in pricing too, because uh, yeah, they're looking at pricing the vehicle between thirty-five and forty grand, and that's the same price not only as the Model Three but the Chevy Bolt. Well, and Tesla is facing its own issues with actually getting the Model Three out to people. We've talked about that, and that's what happens when you skip certain tried and true automotive manufacturing concepts. Uh, to prove a vehicle before you start trying to build it in volume. Not denying that fact. I'm just saying that it could heat up things significantly. Well, they're looking at also uh, in this brand building a fully electric SUV that could end up being competition for Tesla's yet unbuilt Model Y. And without the weird Y doors that... Well, remember, you're thinking about the Model X. That's that's the weird one. Model Y hasn't been built yet. He's waiving that as in the intermediate future. But now, the first vehicle they're actually going to build, what they're calling the Polestar 1, is a plug-in hybrid. But check this out. They plan to produce 500 cars a week at the new facility that should be done by mid-2018. And this is an aggressive schedule. But my money's on Volvo. When they say aggressive, mm-hmm. they're going to make it happen because they got years of building vehicles. And they're so they're gonna, not starting from scratch. And they're going to build it right. Absolutely. They're going to do a body in white on it. Yes, sir, they are. And those are coming from China to be sold in America? Just like some of the Volvos are now. The S60 is built in China. Right. The S90 is now built in China. Is now built in China. Yeah. Um, GM's top-of-the-line Cadillac hybrid, the uh, CT6 hybrid is built in China. Yeah. So this this first uh, plug-in, get this, 600 horsepower as a gasoline hybrid. It's a, two electric motors alone are 218 horsepower, and it can go 93 miles in a single charge. Yeah. Well, it's a hybrid. So as they start to get the battery technology right, I expect that to go up something wicked. Yeah. And quickly. I well, need it at least 250 Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of people there that feel that way, too. Now, Ken, let's get to one of the other thing in this segment that bothers me. Okay, go for it. GM brings e-commerce to your dashboard. Mm-hmm. Well, again, what I always say, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, well, let's make this, let's stir this pot while you've got, while you've got the heat on it. Let's yep. go. We're talking about this new technology being launched on vehicles built now. 2017s and 2018s, right now, starting uh, a couple of days ago, December 5th. Really? Really. I was thinking that this was something for autonomous vehicles. No. GM Marketplace is available. If you own a 2017 or 2018 GM vehicle, you have access to this thing. 
and I, may I say, rolling out the new technology on millions of existing 2017 and 2018 GM vehicles. Do I have to have it? That I'm not sure. It's called Marketplace, and it links drivers to vendors like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and Priceline to place orders while on the road. Here's my problem with the thing. Oh, and hello. I quote, hold on, wait a minute, hold on. The service let, okay, wait a minute. GM service, and I quote from the factory, which is made for use while driving, mm. is initially limited to about a dozen vendors. But the automaker wants to add other brands and capabilities as it expands the service. In the words of my executive producer, what could possibly go, go wrong? wrong? Okay, so let me just see if I'm envisioning this correctly. I'm driving my brand new car. I'm going down the road. In your pickup. Um, in my... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I am going down the road. And mm-hmm. as I approach maybe five blocks out, a McDonald's flashes on my dashboard saying that they've got a special going on right now for double Whoppers. I continue a little bit on further. KFC's new lunch deal going on. Are you feeling a little hungry? Maybe they actually break into my radio. And so their nice little commercial plays over. Take the next left. Well, let me help you. GM, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Wingstop, because you got to have your wings. Yes, you do. TGI Fridays, Shell, ExxonMobil, Priceline, Parkopedia, which I think is going to be popular, allows drivers to find, reserve, and pay for parking all at the click of a button. Applebee's, IHOP, and Delivery.com are the merchants with this thing launched. I think Park.com is going to be Parkopedia. Uh-huh. Is going to be phenomenal. Well, here's here's the thing that our listeners should know. Miss mm-hmm. Sasha is now wearing the carpet down. She is, she is pacing. She is pacing because I, she feels the same way that I do. We do because it's again we're back to what did we talk about before in our li- liability speed, speed and distraction distracted driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what could possibly go wrong? The question I have now a list is, number one. Yeah, I'm sure you do. The big question is: Is there liability now? Two General Motors, if I'm using the system and I'm in an accident. I've yes. got one other thing, though. Real quick. Real quick. Um, of course, they're going to be able to sell this because people are going to get the entire package just for that parking app. Next up, Ford explores direct sales with China's Alibaba. Later, stories from the Fright Desk, Trucking News. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. Boy, Marge, just when a guy's making good time, you want to stop and eat. But I'm hungry. Look, there's a Union 76 auto truck stop. That would be a nice place, George. So's the place we're trying to get to. But if we keep stopping all the time... Well, let's at least stop for a candy bar. All right, Marge, you can have one candy bar. But I'm not moving from behind this wheel. Hey, this looks like quite a deal. There are Union 76 auto truck stops on most major interstates across the country. Each one offers facilities and service you just don't find at many other places on the open road. There's 24-hour automotive service, travel stores, 
and always plenty of good food. It's just another example of the spirit of 76. Can I get you some apple pie for dessert? Oh, I... Uh, vanilla ice cream? Now that's the spirit. Anything for you, ma'am? No, thank you. The spirit of 76 lives at Union Oil. She was eating a candy bar. You'd, get, you'd have to see the ad. She was eating the candy bar, and then the husband had the full course meal? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, okay. Thought I'd put that out there. If you're just joining us, this is segment two of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. We're just letting Sasha respond to that particular <laughs> ad and how far we think that advertising has come. Uh, in that particular ad, the lady wanted a candy bar, and when they stopped, the guy ended up having a full course meal. It ends with the commercial... Uh, when the waitress asks her for something, she's just eating the candy bar. Right, that she originally wanted. Yeah. This goes into how females are more in tune with what the man actually needs, even though the man claims that he doesn't need it. That's okay. what this is speaking towards. Okay. Okay, yeah. we're going to discuss something else now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think? Yes. I'm just blown away that it was Casey Kasem. Yeah, well. I love that voice. I know. Well, 1972 for that ad. Um, in our quest to cover the goings-on across the vastness that is the American automotive industry. This week, I turn my attention to the Ford Motor Company. Now, they've been often auto shadowed by the goings on of Tesla, General Motors, and some of the various tech companies, namely Waymo and Apple, and insert one here. But I should note that Ford was actually one of the first companies to acknowledge, and this is about three years ago that their over 100-year-old model of individual vehicle ownership was broken and no longer sustainable. Ford was actually one of the first companies to embrace mobility as it plays out over the next 10 to 15 years. The Michigan-based automaker continues to make some news of its own in this evolving world of all things tech. Now, I'm going to start by saying the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, Ford is teaming up with this large company called Alibaba, um, their online retail arm in China. For those of you that never heard the term, they are to China what I would argue uh, kind of a combination of what eBay and Google are in the United States. Okay. They're, they're big, they're popular, and they generate a lot of money. One of the things that they're looking at generate, developing Ford and Alibaba is a new retail concept called, and I quote their words, the automotive vending machine, a multi-story parking garage that resembles a giant vending machine to sell directly to consumers. In, now, the, in the words of Jack, what could possibly go wrong? Didn't we do a story about one of those in Texas? Well, we may have talked about it from a used car standpoint. Yeah. But this is completely new. See, Ford tried going direct to consumer in the United States. Yeah. Um, their auto collection, this is about almost 20 years ago, it failed miserably. Miserably. Ford ended up selling all the dealerships they bought. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It was bad. Forced out the guy who was in charge of Ford, Jack Nasa, at the time. Oh. Uh, he was a little bit ahead of his time because he thought it was all things internet, direct to the customer. Well, we got laws against the factory selling directly to consumers in most, in fact, in 42 out of the 50 states. Okay. Here. Uh, what Ford's really trying to do is look at new ways, explore some new ways of how consumers purchase and own their vehicles and trying to leverage retail channels to identify new retail opportunities. But here's the thing, people, and the reason why I point this out is, again, 
time after time I tell you, we are in a world where one thing over on one side of the world is going to impact over here. Mm-hmm. If Ford does that and is successful with all the changes that are coming over the next 10 to 15 years, the way vehicles are sold, if vehicles, in fact, are still sold, which they will be, but that number is going to drop, yep. um, may, it may very well endanger the dealer franchise model we have in the United States and that are protected by 42 states. Tesla's tried to break that model with lawsuits across the country to sell direct to consumers. They've been successful in some states, but not all. But those days are numbered. Even Bob Lutz, who's an industry leader, retired now, but has been in the industry for years, said the good times are over. He said that to the dealers. Then why in the world are the, quote, um, automakers making their dealers throw all this money into brand new showrooms right now if this is going to end? Well, because right now you got to deal with today and you got to deal with tomorrow. And actually the push to spend all that money has been going on for 15 years. And it's part of that. But the problem, it is a very capital intensive business, whether you are building cars, designing cars or selling cars. It costs a lot of money and you can't stand still. You can't just be, okay. we're just going to build trucks and SUVs like one company and think (laughs) that's going to be okay without all this other stuff. Uh, Alternative fuel vehicles like uh, hydrogen and batteries and electric and autonomous vehicles. They're all interconnected, but yet they're all different. And then the whole concept of mobility. What does that even mean? There's so many ways and so many ways that if you are getting around in the world in the next 15 years, you're going to have so many more choices that don't necessarily require you putting money out to own four wheels. And chances are they may not be gasoline anyway. So that that's the short answer to your question, sir. But what they're also looking at doing, and really, it's bad to me. It's bad for dealers. What works in China could be preparation to challenge the U.S. dealership model in coming years. That's my take on it. Because in some of these models, what they're looking at Alibaba, you would purchase it online, but the dealer would deliver it. But that's not the only thing they're looking at. They also admitted. These cars could come directly from the Ford Motor Company and put the dealers out. Now, they think the dealers would go with this because they'd still get to service the cars. But I'm against that because the ownership model is iffy. And electric cars, we talked about here, fewer parts, less need for service. If you own a Tesla, Tesla only wants to see you once every two years. Electric cars have a fraction of the parts that an internal combustion engine car has. So that's that's kind of a scarecrow. That's kind of a that's kind of a red herring. They're saying that that could be a thing, but honestly, if you're a dealer, you should be concerned. Real concerned because what works over there is going to end up over here at some point. Well, but don't you think if there's enough consumers in the United States to decide I don't want this that that the okay. Auto companies are going to have to listen. Go ahead. Really quick. Who who wouldn't want a one-step process to buy a car? You don't have to worry about negotiations. You don't have to worry about haggling. You go in there. You pay a price. You're done. Coming up, news from the freight desk, advancements in trucking. And for the last segment, electrically German, news from the street. Roadworthy Drive is heard on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Drive. Like us on Facebook. 
This is the next to last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. If you're just joining us, welcome. Come on in and pull up a chair and make yourself at home. For those of you who want or need more than your weekly dose of Roadworthy Drive, check out our website. That's www.roadworthydrive.com. Listen to audio clips of the shows you may have missed, as well as videos of our weekly behind-the-scenes antics and a rather deep and sometimes spirited conversation. Um, yeah. The website also has the times when you can watch us live. The website's also a great place to discover where and when and we are doing across the universe of social media. Sasha is our social media diva, and she keeps things interesting and entertaining during the week. See how she keeps the social and our social media. Now, trucking. It is said that pretty much everything we touch, use, and consume in our daily lives comes to us in a truck. Actually, the percentage is 80% of what we interact with comes to us on a truck. To be truthful, we've shared news with you over the months here at Roadworthy Drive on some of the goings-on in the trucking industry, from, lo from the looming driver shortage to the first self-driving tractor-trailer rigs. This week's news from the Freight Desk talks about a brand-new tech Volvo is putting into their trucks and Amazon's new app designed to automate part of the delivery by truck processes in and out of warehouses. Sasha, we have a freight desk. We freight do desk. have um, a freight desk. Did they put that desk next to you? Uh, no, actually. I've got my own corner office. I oh. share space. Yeah. You have an office? I have a space. Yeah, well, you need to bite your coworker and then you yeah, get I know. Your... Yeah, <laughs> I know. Is that how Go that on. works? Is that how that works here? Okay. Let's talk about Volvo's trucks. Uh, their VNL and VNR series as they build the safest Volvo trucks ever. And what struck me is you would think that all trucks would have what Volvo's talking about here because it's been in cars now for some of these things have been in cars now for 15 years. Are we talking airbags? Uh, let's let me expand this. Okay. It, Volvo's goal, and they're talking about trucks now. We aspire to zero crashes and zero injuries, protecting both drivers and other road users. They claim that their new trucks strengthen their leading passive safety features with active safety innovations. Obviously, high-strength steel, uh, the cabs are built, because uh, I've seen them built with other things, and that makes sense. Um, and that they exceed both Volvo's own Swedish cab safety test and some other rollover requirements. In other words, God forbid, you're a trucker, go off-road in this thing. Chances are if it's in a Volvo, you'll live to tell about it, compared to some of the mashed-up cabs we've seen on the news down through the years. Yep. Now, here's the kicker. These new trucks, and I quote, feature the industry's only standard driver's side airbag. <gasps> Why in the world wouldn't you have that already? That's my thought. Wait, wait, wait. It's a driver's side did they already have passenger side airbags? No. Okay. I mean, honestly, other than owner operators, how many people you've got in your cab? And I was just time? curious the way that you worded it. I just wanted to make sure that the they operative had... word was standard. <sighs> Why standard? They... I know. Well, that well, that's the question that I've got, especially when, and you're right with the uh, with the owner operators, there could be two of them. Right. But I've also seen trucking companies that run teams of two. Yeah. 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 To, to go farther. Right. But yep. again, I've, I've said this before. 
I would like to know the number of how many injuries there are in trucking accidents because somebody's sleeping in the cab and gets thrown out of the out of the bunk. Yeah. Well, that could be messy. Yeah. Here's another thing that they've got that they've had on their trucks since 2007. They call it Volvo Enhanced Stability Technology. It detects imminent loss of control, jackknife, or rollover events. It automatically reduces engine torque and selectively applies braking to keep the truck on course. It's been standard on Volvos since 2007. Wow. Yeah. They also have something called Active Driver Assist, which includes a what they call Bendix Wingman Fusion, a complete camera and radar-based collision mitigation system that is fully integrated with Volvo's driver information display. Volvo is the first heavy-duty truck original equipment manufacturer to offer it as standard equipment. Here's one thing for you. And we talked about this. Folks, brake checking 18-wheelers? Yep. yep. Volvo driver, the Volvo Active Driver Assist also integrates an optional lane departure warning system with, wait for it, a data capture capability. In other words... They will capture what happened at the time of the crash. Okay. Let that sink in. Well, a lot of the semi-drivers now, they actually have those dash cams that are facing outward because, you know, these people, these drivers were losing their licenses because, you know, car mm -hmm. drivers were being rude. <laughs> rude is being well, polite. Well, yeah, that's being very being polite. Radio-friendly language, yes. Yeah, radio-friendly yes, language. we need that. Okay, let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about Amazon. They got their fingers into everything. Everything. The word you need to know today <laughs> is Amazon Relay. Amazon Relay was quietly launched as an app to help truck delivery drivers get in and out of warehouses faster. Uh, basically, what they call they actually rolled it out late last month because, you know, we on top of this stuff. And it's available on Apple and Android devices. Drivers enter cargo information into the app, allowing them to check in with a QR code and get through the security gate, avoiding the manual process of badging in. At, even at some warehouse facilities, Amazon has built special relay lanes according to the app page. Why does this matter? I'll tell you why it matters. With the increasing number of trucks, the decreasing number of available drivers, uh, what we're seeing a trend now of large warehouse facilities being built around major cities, including ours. Yep. Um, you're getting to a point where they're literally building the infrastructure for autonomous terminal-to-terminal uh, -terminal or warehouse-to-warehouse facilities. If you can do that all online, checking in and out of the warehouse with no mistakes, then uh, it actually solves a problem that uh, our truck driver who uh, looked at the Tesla semi had, being able to roll down a window and pass papers, you wouldn't need to with this. That's right. And I well, thought about that in a minute. I well, read it. And the other thing, too, is, as most of us know, if the truck ain't rolling, you're not making money. Amen, yep. brother. And in Amen, the autonomous brother. world, that truck never stops. Now, they said that while it's got a narrow application today, it's the first connection point between Amazon and potentially millions of truck drivers, a job that's become one of the most common in the U.S. Now, Amazon is reportedly looking into other services as well, including an app that would match truck drivers with cargo shippers. Now, I'm taking issue with this article because we reported on that over a year ago. Right. I remember that yeah. specifically. Yeah. So they're doing more than looking at it. They're, probably, they're testing it. Now, Amazon is trying to, become a, trying to become a freight company in its own right 
with uh, buying dozens of tractor trailers, cargo planes, and actually minority stakes in a couple of cargo airlines for its prime air service. Plus, they've launched new delivery services like Amazon Flex to do the package shipping on their own. Yep. So all I got to say is FedEx and UPS, watch out. Amazon's in your rearview mirror. That's what's coming. Now, when we come back for our last segment, iconic German models electrified. This is Roadworthy Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. This is the last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thanks for joining us. Electrification. Of and around vehicles, it's taken many forms. Battery electrics, plug-in electrics, hybrid, and hydrogen fuel cells, just to name a few. Seems like everybody has or will announce some kind of electric vehicle to join their fleets in the coming years. What might surprise you, though, is what iconic vehicles have been announced by their automakers as going electric. Here are a couple for your consideration. Um, I'm going to start with the one that Sasha likes, and it's the Volkswagen electric minibus. Yes! Uh-huh. Try to contain your excitement. I cannot wait. Okay. I cannot wait. You are talking about the old VW bus. Yes! Yeah, but it's been reimagined. And it looks it's, beautiful. It's actually going to be marketed by a separate division of Volkswagen called Moya. And it's a battery-powered minibus that will roam the streets of Hamburg, Germany, starting in 2018 as car, market, car makers delve into ride pooling services. Their plan, roll it out internationally, and here's their goal. With the goal of replacing one million cars across Europe and the U.S. by 2025. Let that sink in. A fleet of these. Now, if that's true... Uh, just to extrapolate a little bit, it would take roughly, um, from what they're saying, probably about 150,000 of these vans, these Moya Electrics, to displace a million cars. Really? Well, think about it. Uh, the statistics that they come with talk about um, that you will get six times as much mileage out of an autonomous vehicle and it being constant motion than you would um, with just a regular one. Okay. So you're looking at roughly 90,000 miles in the course of a year as opposed to 15,000. Okay. I'm looking – I'm actually looking at a picture of this, and I already have a problem with it. Okay. I haven't seen a picture of it. So, um, yeah. Where okay. Where is the peace sign? <laughs> let it go, Jack. Let, let it go, Jack. And I want mine specifically to look like uh, the Scooby-Doo fan. Uh -huh. Yeah. Let me – let me – yeah. Well, we're y'all going across that. And I quote them from the Moya division. We want to offer solutions for traffic problems such as congestion, air pollution, noise, and lack of space. The Hamburg service will start out with 200 vehicles and scale up. This is just in Hamburg, Germany now, to 1,000 in coming years. 
Moyer will hire drivers as well as sell the service to fleet operators as well as municipalities. Now, here's something you may not know. Volkswagen coughed up $300 million to buy an Uber competitor that you've probably never heard of called Get. That's G-E-T-T. And by the same token, uh, Daimler, the folks at Mercedes-Benz, had founded a car-sharing service called Car2Go back in 2008. Did I mention 2008? Yeah, and it didn't go anywhere, right? Oh, no. It's going great guns. In fact, they're offering it in San Francisco right now. Oh, okay. And New York and a few other cities, stateside. Okay. The point, the point of me saying it that early is they had founded it long before the rest of us got to that uh, mental place. Okay. Yep. 2008, that was 10 years ago. Yep. Nobody was talking car sharing till at least five years ago when we first started hearing it in the language. Our domestic automakers didn't even talk about changing mobility till three years ago. Yeah, because it's been, it's been a while since they did that. So all, I guess all I'm saying is this stuff is going at lightning speed. Well, and we've talked about that before that, you know, this whole thing is going to change whether I like it or not. Oh, it's changing, not going to change. And, this well, is happening in real time right now. But for those of us that are that are buying cars, and I have a friend who has not owned a new car in, like, forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that when they see my new truck, they're going to go, what? All of this? How do you keep this technology straight? And a lot of people are overwhelmed by it, hence why we're here. That's right. To try to explain this. Let me break this down for you. This, this vehicle that Sasha's in love with will have fast internet love. access for passengers, and the seats feature reading lights as well as USB ports to charge smartphones or tablet computers. Moya developed the vehicle within 10 months in collaboration with VW's light commercial vehicle division. It has a range of 186 miles and can recharge 80% of its battery capacity in a half an hour. Moya's goal, be one of the top three mobility providers and generate revenue of a couple of billion dollars in a few years. That means Uber, Lyft, and Moya. Yeah, when you look at the pictures of what they're actually proposing, the driver and the passenger side seats actually fully turn around so that mm-hmm. way they are facing the passenger in an autonomous world because you don't necessarily need to see out the windshield you don't need to be facing that and it's very much like a uh, the inside is very much like a, like a meeting room as opposed to a mercedes-benz concept vision 2030 same thing yep same thing um ride hailing services are calling into question whether drivers need to buy vehicles and here's the thing if you're operating a fleet why do you need to buy them you lease them yep you lease them so you don't have to put out all that money, which means that it makes opportunities for third-party financial companies, banks, and lenders. Heck, you can go to Wall Street to probably make it a securitized uh, instrument that they'll sell there to raise money to buy fleets to be leased. So there's a lot of stuff there. It's actually how railroad locomotives get sold and okay, I mean, but, get bought. But here's my question. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to lease these things for so long— Where's the secondary market going to be if none of us are buying cars? They're being scrapped. If you're a fleet owner, okay, and you're running six times the volume that you would have, it means in a year you've put almost 100,000 miles on this vehicle. So figure it's two years. Figure you engineer it is good for two years to get scrapped. And that's the way you price it. It's not that hard. It just means the reality needs to be adjusted, which ironically would probably drop the price of them. 
Yeah. Because now you're not engineering them the last 15 years, you're engineering them maybe last three or four. And you're not engineering them for the average consumer. You're averaging them for a company, which pennies to pennies matter. Yep. Fleet. So there's some thought about that. Another automaker taking an iconic vehicle. Are you ready for this? No. A hybrid Porsche 911. What? Yes. Oh, oh, come on. That's sacrilegious. I I know, right? I got to agree. But here's the thing. Porsche developed the 918 Spider. They built it for two years, sold it out. It was an $847,000 mid-engined plug-in hybrid sports car. They sold all of them. So. Like that. My GXE is cheaper. A little bit. But this is probably worth more. This one's probably worth more. But yeah, they want to get the gas mileage up. And they're looking at Bradbury Tech, and they're looking at doing it by 2023. So there you go. <laughs> and with that, we come to the end of our hour. On behalf of Roadworthy Drive Team and myself, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.